I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. We welcome back two very special guest hosts, last heard on the WrestleMania trivia episode when I was soundly beaten by both. Mark Dunderdale and Stuart Roberts are here. How are you both doing? Mark, you first. How, how are things? How are tricks? How's life just coming out of lockdown? Very good, thank you. Yeah, no complaints at this end. How are you two? Stuart? Yeah, yeah, all, all good, thanks, mate. So, uh, yeah, just, just getting used to things getting back to a little bit of normality, but, yeah, all good, thank you. Yeah, ditto. So, um, Stuart, first, what, have you been watching much wrestling, before we get on to the Mid-South review, have you been watching much wrestling during this, during this period, the empty arena stuff, or have you found yourself drifting away from it? Yeah, I, I, I've, since, since WrestleMania, I, I've moved away from it quite, quite a bit, to be honest with you, and, and no, not because I haven't wanted to, it's just been... Life's been, I know it sounds crazy to say, but life's been so busy, probably busier than what it, what it normally is. But um, the, the only things I've been watching, I've been watching more docu-series now. So I've been watching that, I've got the, uh, the, the Undertaker series, which obviously won't talk about too much, but I know you, you guys are totally caught up with it. Um, and, and I've just been watching different bits and pieces on the network. And what I have done though is I've started watching, because I've never watched them before, The Dark Side of the Ring. So I'm just mm. starting, I've got them on the panel now. So I'm just starting to, to watch them but but probably not so much wrestling but more the documentaries around the wrestling is what i've been sort of focusing on rather yeah because the the empty arena stuff just doesn't doesn't do it for me very similar to, to, to football it, it just doesn't work for me so no. it, it, you know takes me away from it all so uh, um but that said i think the last couple of episodes of raw and smackdown have been been pretty decent actually with some mm. Some, some good quality matches in, and, and some, some good quality promos, but um, but yeah, not 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 really that heavily invested in it at the moment. How about you, Mark? What have you what have you been doing to fill the, the wrestling void during this period? Well, it's a funny one at this end. I, my five year old son has just um, since around WrestleMania time discovered wrestling for the first time and become a fan of it, and um, so I'm watching a lot of it with him, and obviously that's watching it through different eyes, really, with um, his, some of his favourites are the ones which I may, might not have gravitated to previously, like Otis is his current favourite. Oh, really? And when, he, yeah. when we watched him win the Money in the Bank match, uh, that was a lively night in this house. He loved that. <laughs> and uh, Asuka <laughs> with her current, Asuka's uh, new sort of eccentricity, uh, that's gone down well as well. So we're, we're watching it together sort of as the, YouTube highlights on a Tuesday morning and a Saturday morning to keep up with Raw and SmackDown. And um, we've got tickets to go to see if they come over on the UK tour in October. Um, I'll be checking into that. So we're keeping up with what's going on. Yeah, they, they are talking about bringing back some like live, not not just wrestling, but live shows, aren't they? They're, they're, they're starting to say that that can start to happen now and stuff like that. Yeah. I think the, the, the thing that you're saying there about watching sort of like, um, watching it through the eyes of, eyes of a child in if you remember back when, when we were younger and stuff like that and, and, and watching the wrestling, you, you didn't get sort of like the, 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 the high profile stars that you get now on a regular, you know, if you was watching like superstars, you'd get like a, a high profile wrestler against a jobber for want of a better word, didn't you? So you never yep. really yep. had that exposure to those, those sort of like main characters constantly, you know, wrestling each other, interacting with each other. It was very much like, Big big name guy versus a jobber, you know, done and squashed in five minutes, move on to it, and that that's what it. That, so I suppose in some respect, the children, the children nowadays are getting a bit more, a bit more spoiled, aren't they? Really, because they get to see much more high profile things on a more regular basis than what we ever did do when we were when we were younger. 
yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. It's totally, it's, it's, it's kind of like, though, would I wanted it? I think if I was, actually, let me go back a step, actually, and I'll come back to that. But Mark, I'm just interested, do, do Charlie's Friends like it at the moment? Or is it, is it, is it predominantly because you're watching it? Because I'm interested, because they lose a lot of fans, don't they, when children get sort of 10, 11, 12, especially that secondary school leap. I mean, I think all of us a little bit went away from it a little bit. Mark, you maybe the the let the let least is you mid say, and then we moved back into it when we were sort of late, sort of mid-teens for an attitude error, I suppose. But yeah, do, do you do you get the feeling that um, his his friends and people at school are into it? Is it still quite quite a niche thing? There's one girl who's in his class, so she's five as well, and um, the same situation as us. Her mum's been a big fan for many years, so um, so she watches it with her mum, like I watch it with Charlie. And I think some of the older kids maybe do, but they're the only two in Charlie's age mm. range. But um, it doesn't seem to put him off. He's always talking to the other kids about these people who they've never heard of. Like, did you see what Drew McIntyre said last night? And everyone, nobody knows who Drew McIntyre is at school. But, no, that's great. Let's, yeah. let's hope he stays with, with it, because that's one big problem. In fact, all wrestling have got is that their demographics for viewership is really, excuse really old. I think NXT is bizarrely like the oldest one of the lot in terms of their viewers, like all predominantly over 40. You think, well, actually, if all these people, if they're not creating any new fans, then you think with WWE, when we were kids, you had like the Rockers and like the young, I know Hogan was kind of on his way. We had the Ultimate Warrior would have been, what, 33, 34, but he looked young yeah, didn't yeah. He? and all those sort of people around that time. Whereas now, you, they don't really push youngsters, do they? I mean, in terms of the, you haven't got that sort of young good-looking baby face it's kind of appeals to all you know the guys want to be him and the girls want to be with him kind of thing I, I think that's the that's the thing that wrestling seems to be miss, missing a bit of a trick on that now even in nxt now in theory they're the ones who are going to be the stars of the future mm. the way things have always been um if you talk about the the guys on top like keith lee matt riddle i know he's just made the jump to smackdown johnny gargano they're in the mid-30s now yeah. so it's a lot different to sort of headlining uh, WrestleMania at 30. Now these guys are just getting started in, in their 30s. Yeah. I wonder how I hard was C- Sorry, she go ahead. I was going to say, I didn't realise that Riddle was in his mid-30s. That, that, <laughs> I thought he was about 24. He's like an eternal baby face, isn't he, Matt Riddle? But... Uh, um, He's just been around for so long because he he was rest- he was fighting in the UFC in maybe, oh, crikey, 2007 maybe, I'd have, I'd have to guess. Wow. I, I would have guessed at 2009, 2010. You know, oh, okay, yeah, okay. Somewhere yeah. around there. So it's still 10, 10 plus years. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a long time ago, isn't it? I mean, in terms of the last sort of big, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but the last sort of big younger um, sort of baby face that was, 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 was main event in a WrestleMania. I mean, Cena in 2005 um, would have only have been, what, 27 um, for that? Uh, yeah. Sorry, not 2005. Was, yeah, 2005 won the title, didn't he? Yeah, 2005 would have been 27 around that time. So that's pretty young then. But I can't think of too many people. I mean, obviously, you've got... You got Randy Orton, but Randy Orton's never wrestled, never made it. Oh yeah, of course he did, twenty-five. But he was much older then. That was probably sort of Seth, yeah. Seth Rollins at thirty-one when he won the title. I'd say he was maybe still in his twenties. Oh really? Okay, so there's one. Yeah. But they never really I think, went. Yeah, I, think you've got, I think you've got to look back to like um, uh, again because we had this wrestling. But wasn't Yokozuna in his like mid to late twenties when he when he yes, won the yeah. title? He wasn't yeah. that. He wasn't that old, was he? Because did he die when he was about 33, 34, something like that? So if you think back, he must have been mid to late twenties when he when he when he won the title. Yeah, I must think you're right. At, at the Royal Rumble, it must must have been. So yeah. he's probably the, the the youngest one that I can I, I can recall. I can't think of anyone much much younger than that that age. 
Rollins was 29 when he won the title, so that, so that is young. Um, so what, what, yeah, so uh, it was 20, WrestleMania in, um, WrestleMania 9, wasn't it? In 93 that, he, that um, yeah. Yokozuna won the title, so that he would have been, a oh, mass is terrible. Uh, so what, so you, you guys talk about something else while I, while <laughs> I work this out. <laughs> well, it was 93, wasn't it, WrestleMania 9, so. Yeah. What year was he yeah. born? 1966. So, so 27, 27, yeah, 27, yeah, yeah. I just couldn't couldn't get there, unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, that is that is uh, that is something that's interesting now in terms of the, the youngsters are not not pushed as much. Um, in terms of uh, the WWE stuff, Mark, you're you're obviously watching. Um, what what in terms of characters, as you mentioned, Otis, is there anything else? Anything any any other particular thing that Charlie's sort of interested as a younger younger viewer, or any storylines, or th- or or any actually even any logic things that he sort of thought? Because obviously he probably watched a lot of kids stuff. That's probably yeah. very lo- very logical. And is, is there anything you sort of called out? So like, Dad, that doesn't make any sense. Well, um, in terms of character, I think it's a lot like when we were kids in that. The colourful guys grab your attention. Ultimate Warrior is the prime example in the Macho mm. Man when we were kids in all those outfits. And, and now you're looking at someone like Asuka. And um, I mean, it's a big deal when Seth Rollins wears a different colour um, mm. wrestling, wrestling gear or whatever. And um, he likes that. He, he's really into the entrances more than anything else. And, and then he sort of switches off sometimes when the matches are going on. But in terms of logic, no, he likes the the fun stuff that's obviously aimed at a family audience. There was a lot of things going on in that Money in the Bank ladder match. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, I saw um, it. Yeah. In, in various pieces, they were throwing food at each other in one scene. There was um, AJ Styles trapped under um, some weights and things, mm. and Rey Mysterio not helping him out there. Things like that went down really, really well. Okay, then, interesting, um, yeah. If it's, a, if it's a face-to-face promo, uh, like the Edge and Randy Orton stuff, for example, which I've been enjoying, uh, I can tell Charlie's sort of switching off there, just mm. seeing them talking to each other. It doesn't have the same effect as uh, yeah. as seeing them go at it in the ring. I think that um, I, do, I do have to say though, I think that Money in the Bank was was brilliantly choreographed, put together. Do you know what I mean? I really, I wasn't expecting anything from it at all, but I was like really pleasantly surprised, and I, yeah. I just love the interaction with Vince and Daniel and AJ. I just thought that was just just brilliant. So. Uh, so yeah, I, I I really enjoyed the money in the bank. Really enjoyed it. So. I thought it was one of the better, and I don't think they're wrestling matches, really, are they? Whatever you want to call them, but I, I preferred that to the Undertaker AJ Styles, which I absolutely hated. Um, but I think that that I know you got both really loved it, and I'm definitely big time in the minority on that. I, I was just in a bad mood. Maybe if I watched it again, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. So I was just like. I don't know what time it was. I've only watched it that once. I, I oh, really? Yeah. Did, you, did you watch I it like... Did you both stay up or did you watch it the next day? Uh, I can't remember. I think I watched it the next day. Yeah, so at 3.30am. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, with, with, with part one, I stayed up till about... Well, quite impressive stuff, actually. That's about two o'clock in the morning, but, yeah. but faded soon after that and then just didn't have the energy for the first part. Too, so I, I just watched it the following, the following, the following morning. So... Uh, it makes a difference the word had got out beforehand that it wasn't going to be live. And for me, that made a difference. You mm. know, when it's live TV, anything can happen. You want to be there watching it as it happens. Uh, but it all it was already in the can beforehand. So anything, rather than staying up till the middle of the night where we are, I wasn't going to miss out on much if I stayed, if I waited till the next morning. No, yeah. exactly. And I felt like I stayed up on the first night almost like I was duty bound to but then on the yeah. second night I actually haven't watched most of the second night because I just 
I like we talked towards the start, the empty arena stuff is making me miss wrestling more. And it's and actually the football is a good example. I'd actually rather the football wasn't happening at the moment because mm. personally, the team I support, uh, you know, there or thereabouts, the playoffs, it's just like, well, I don't want anyone to, I don't know if I want us to go up in this environment or whatever. It's just, it's just rubbish. And the wrestling's been like that from the start. I think AEW have done an okay job. But I find myself, I've been busy obviously watching these, these five star matches. So I haven't had a lot, a lot of time to watch other stuff. But the um, I watched Dynamite like a couple of weeks. And I'll just skip a week, and I don't feel like I've missed anything. I've watched pretty much. I watched all the Dynamite stuff before that, and it was. I mean, it's good, but it's not anything. Dynamite's not been anything that's been, um, you know, revolutionary or something out of this world. It's just solid episodic wrestling, which I think, in a way, I, I, I think since the, the since, since Raw went three hours, I think we we probably forgot what that's like because it's just such a tough such a tough watch to watch three hours of raw even to attend a live three hour raw is, is is not an easy not an easy thing to do really um so what that those highlights packages what do they cut what do they cut them down to the, the youtube ones? um sort of if it's a match they'll put maybe two three minutes together of highlights and show you how it finished okay. finished um the highlights of the promos and again you don't see the build-up to that they're on the mic talking so every clip that they upload after a live show is sort of two or three minutes. It's very easy just to skip through and you, yeah. you catch up fairly that quickly perfect, with all, all the major events. I know that on the BT Sport app, they've got something where you can click and look at a... Pro- like, you can just look at it on the, on, on the bottom and then you can just click and pick what you want to watch. But I always thought... I would obviously... If, if, if I had no other choice, I would, I would be happy to watch something like that. But if you want to watch something on a television, that doesn't really work. I, and I guess with a Sky platform, they haven't got the ability to actually do that. Um, so I think that's, that's probably it in, before we go into what, we're all, what we've all come here for today, this evening, uh, which is Mid-South. Uh, and I actually got the date... I've actually got the dates wrong over the last couple of weeks, which is a terrible podcasting error. So this is actually the July 7th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. And last week was June the 30th. So I have corrected the podcast and I'll be slapping myself on the wrist later repeatedly for the terrible mistake I made. So at the desk, we have Boyd Pierce in a deep red suit, white shirt and black and white patent tie, plus Bill Watts with a more casual look with an open shirt and beige jacket. I thought he looked a little bit like he'd had a bit of a heavy night, actually, uh, Mr. Watts here. Did you guys notice this at all? I thought he looked a bit dishevelled. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the first time he, he's got that sort of appearance quite often at the desk. Yeah, and I haven't heard any particular stories about Watts being a big drinker, but I think he's just he's probably just so busy. I can imagine like running running these towns and booking these events and stuff back there and dealing with all these wrestlers, especially on TV day, where they were probably in there doing all the localised promos. I imagine it's probably quite a, quite a task. Um, so Boyd runs us through what we have in store. We'll see the Midnight Express versus the new team, the sensational pretty young things of Norville Austin and Coco Ware. We'll also have Sonny King versus Buddy Landell. And Boyd throws to Watts and calls him the knowledgeable president of Mid-South Sports. Uh, Bill, however, isn't interested in speaking, and he says he thinks actions speak louder than words. Uh, and he throws to Jim Ross, who is standing in the ring with Jim Cornette and the future Hercules, who is still playing the Mr. Wrestling 2 character. Um, so Cornette says, those of you who are capable of thought may be wondering why he's standing there with Mr. Wrestling 2. The answer is real simple. This man has proven himself to be an awesome athlete and exactly the sort of person he was looking for. There are a lot of weirdos running around Mid-South, like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, 
and he's liable to attack him at any time. Cornette says that as a result of this, he has hired Mr. Wrestling 2 at considerable cost to be his personal bodyguard. Um, and to steal a line from Mr. T, he says he pities the fools that try to attack him. Um, thereafter, he introduced the Mid-South Tag Team Champions and there's still no matching outfits. Um, Stuart, first, what did you think of this, uh, this Jim Cornette promo? Well, it's the first time I've really sort of like watched this... this Oh, of course, you're making your debut I mean, yeah, in terms of the actual review, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, so Welcome. I'll, 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 probably, I'll probably leave some you guys in terms of stuff like that because I don't know how much depth to go into. But um, it, it was just quite refreshing to see, like, you know, Cornet in, in his... Uh, I'm assuming this was his early, sort of, like, early days in, in Rattler. Yes. How he's been around yeah. and stuff like that. So it, it was interesting to still have the trademark tennis racket and, 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 and stuff like that. So... Um, it was just a typical, I thought it was just a good, good Cornet promo. And, and, and like I say, I never even realised that, that was Hercules underneath uh, as Mr. Yeah. Too. So, so this has all been really new to me. And, I, and that's why I really enjoyed it. It was almost like just watching, you know, when I first started watching wrestling back in back in the younger days, like I touched upon earlier, like an, an episode of Superstars. It was really, it was just, it was just nice to watch something that was just, just well put together, easy to watch and stuff like that. So I, I, I really enjoyed it. But yeah, I thought Cornet looked... His, his, at his youthful best, shall we say, uh, and it was great to see Jim Ross as well with a full, you know, full head of hair and stuff like that. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was great. I enjoyed it. So. I think Jim Ross was thirty-two in this because uh, he's thirty-eight at the Clash Champions event I reviewed last week. Like, yeah, thirty-two would have been around this time. Yeah, so but I, I didn't, I didn't have a clue it was, it was Hercules under there at all. So, so you know, all of this is very fresh to me. So quite, it's, it's you know, it's quite invigorating really to watch it. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Mark, what did you think of uh, Mr. Cornette here? Yeah, um, the first thing I picked up on is his usual gimmick. He's wearing sort of a garish combination of different colours that don't match. But he actually looked quite smart this week, I mm-hmm. thought, in a three-piece blue suit that all matched. Uh, so that was uh, unusual for him. And the other thing I picked up on this promo that I really did like is Jim Ross did it this week, and it's happened previously with Boyd Pierce and Bill Watts, and Jim Ross had done it previously as well. They make it very clear they hate having to talk to Jim Cornette. Mm. Jim Ross introduced him, handed the microphone over, and immediately walked off. <laughs> I'm not sticking around to listen to this. And, and that's good bit of continuity week to week. I, I like how they do that. Yeah, I think that's that's really really good because the whole premise of Cornette is that he's 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 in the promotion based from his mother's money and that's how he's got the tag team together and that's how he's afforded to get the services of Mr. Wrestling too, who who morphs into Hercules later in the later in the show. Um, so pretty young thing by Michael Jackson blares out around the Irish McNeil's Boys Club as Norvell Austin and Coco Ware make their way to the ring to a decent reaction. Um, before they can get in there, they're attacked at ringside, um, but they soon take over as a Midnight Express regroup on the floor. There's a slightly weak chant of Pete Y.T. for pretty young things. Uh, Watts doesn't commentary, they call him Coco Beware in Memphis as we uh, knew him from his later WWF run. And Watts also mentions that he has. Sorry, Watts also mentions the flags for the second week running. And I'm pretty sure he never has before. Did you guys, uh, Marfa? Did you did you know this Norval Austin? Because I haven't ever heard of him previously. No, I, I also I've never even heard the name before. So I did mm. a bit of research after watching this match to learn a bit more about him. But no, when when he came on screen, I wasn't familiar with him. Sorry, Stu, that's a shaking of a head. Sorry, I silently agree with Mark, but I yeah. say, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm Silence doesn't really work need, on podcasts, I need, unfortunately. I need to speak, sorry, yeah, sorry, my bad, my bad. Uh, it's no, all, it's I, all good. Yeah, no, I, I hadn't heard of him either and stuff like that. 
No, I, I hadn't. But I thought, he, I mean, he didn't, I, I thought he seemed like a young guy that was in, was in shape. But actually, I, I looked at it, this was, this was towards the back end of his career. So he debuted, debuted as far back as 1971. Um, and he was previously working predominantly in Memphis before this run in Mid-South. And thereafter worked world-class and also Florida to run at the end. He eventually retired in May 86. So less than two yeah. years after this, he, he was done. Um, so the new team were predominantly on top in this one with Coco Ware hitting a beautiful looking drop kick on Eaton. I thought this was, did you catch this drop kick the first time you threw a I, lot? Yeah. You know what, that was one of the things I wanted to say. Yeah. Like the, the snap on his drop kick was just like unbelievable. Mm. So you And know, he threw he, a lot, didn't he? he, he did, didn't he do two or three in quick, really quick succession and stuff like that? And just yeah, the he did. Of it was just, just yeah, and you just heard the snap, if you know what I mean, of when he when he when he did it and that. So yeah, that, that was probably the highlight of that that match in some respects, apart from the the, the bump that Cornette took. Because as well, when he took that, sorry if I'm getting ahead of it. No, like, carry on. When, sorry. When, when he took that bump, you know, yeah, there was no padding on the floor like there is no. nowadays, was it? It was straight onto the floor like that, and and he and he shot back, didn't he? Good he really took it. He really sold it. Yeah. He? Yeah, he yeah, went, yeah. And so that was like the the two things that probably stood out. Out in the match for me, but so, sorry, I forgot to be excited. No, that's that, that is absolutely <laughs> fine. That's that's better than not talking at all. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so yeah, so so yeah, just to just to run through what, what shoe sort of ran down there basically, um. What says that the pretty young things that they would they would come over to Mid South for one match against the champions, and if people liked what they saw, they would come back. Um, and this breaks down just before the five minute mark when the ref inadvertently got hit by Condry taking a big bump off a drop kick. Um, Cornette tries to interfere, but then he's deposited on the arena floor with a great looking um, bump that Stuart mentioned there. The drop kick for another really great drop kick by um, Coco Ware. Um, Mr. Wrestling Two tries to interfere by uh, but hacksaw Jim Duggan makes a save and he unmasks him in the process. And the camera shows the side of his face and he jumps out of there while Cornette covers his head with a jacket. Um, in all of the madness, apparently, according to Watts, the Pussy Young Things pinned the Midnight Express, but this wasn't picked up by the cameras. And I can only imagine um, the absolute rollicking someone would have got as a result of not picking up this pinfall uh, on camera. And um, Watts says that Duggan has got his scout with a mask from Mr. Wrestling 2. Um, Mark, you first. What's your thoughts on this match and the unmasking of Mr. the man briefly known as Mr. Wrestling 2? Well, um, going back to the start of the match, it, it was very much of its time with uh, the the song Pretty Young Thing by Michael Jackson. I wasn't familiar with before. Mm. I looked up. It was from the Thriller album, which I know only came out in 1984. So it was a brand new song by the sound of it. And um, I'm sure and they, they paid the, red... the royalties for that, definitely. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> and then um, the, they had the red leather jackets and the sparkly gloves. It was all very Michael Jackson look on the Pretty Young Things. And then um, on the... On the finish, uh, I'd made the same comment about Jim Cornette's really good uh, bump. I was very impressed with how he took it. And, uh, and and I made the comment about no mats, the same as Stuart did. Mm. Uh, but I, at first, I, with all the inter- with Duggan interfering and, and the camera fixating on that, I missed the finish. So I actually rewound to see how it finished. And that's when I discovered, like you said, uh, the camera didn't get it either, so nobody. I did exactly the same thing because I was making yeah. notes, and, I, and it came out of nowhere, and it, and it obviously wasn't there. So, yeah, interesting. Sure, any anything to add on this uh, this unmasking or the the end of this match? No, I don't think. I think I felt like I say I got like it was, a, it was the cornet bomb that really really stood out for me. So, but again, it was it was it was just a was, again it goes back to like the old you know the old superstar phase. It was like seven or eight minutes of, of a lot of action. And, you know, good storyline match, and uh, yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was what it needed to be. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I, I did like, I did like that came out to TYT. That was, uh, that was pretty cool. 
Yeah, that was cool. That was a great, great tune. So after the break, we have Han Schroeder, who's announced from Germany versus Dr. Death, Steve Williams, who has essentially turned heel on Terry Taylor the week before. Um, Stuart, do you think Han Schroeder had ever been to Germany? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I tried to look no. him up, but I couldn't find any details about him, unfortunately. Yeah, um, yeah, no, no. No, I suspect his name was probably Martin <laughs> Smith or something. But sadly, the man playing... I mean, his name may have been Hans Schroeder, but he's no longer with us, sadly. Um, what reminds us that reminds the fans that Williams still has the TV title medal. Um, so, Stuart, you may not have picked up on this. So, basically, the TV championship was uh, created in the tournament. And because it was Olympic year, the winner got a medal rather than a belt. Okay. So that's yeah, why yeah, it's a medal. Yeah. Um, and the situation has become rather controversial. What's, so, so previously, Steve Williams was like proper uh, baby face, etc., local hero, Oklahoma college football star, etc. So they're, they're, he has basically yeah. turned, but this is the, the advancement of that during this episode. So yeah. what says, what's, oh, crikey, this, this bit's ridiculous. What's, there's some more ridiculous stuff about Terry Taylor coming up. But what says that Terry is a really <laughs> nice guy and he doesn't want to press the issue too much? I just think this makes him look so weak. Um, and I just think baby faces were pushed a little bit differently then. But I can't imagine Hulk Hogan doing this. Um, and, and actually, Hulk Hogan was a huge star by this time in the AWA. Uh, Mark, first, what, what did you think of this in terms of the... The, the, the portrayal of Terry Taylor, who's pretty much number two babyface in the promotion at this point. Uh, maybe number three, actually, behind Hacksaw. Yeah, they, they cleared it up um, afterwards when Terry came out and asked Doc to give him back the medal. But during the match before it, um, I was a bit confused because they were talking about how he basically stole the medal and refused to give it back. But all the while this was happening, he was wrestling like a babyface. The mm. crowd were cheering him. And... Um, and Boyd Pierce even called him number 60, 76, referring to his Oklahoma background uh, on commentary. So it, it sort of what we were hearing didn't match what we were seeing uh, with him sort of being portrayed as a babyface other than what people were telling us. Um, and then he came out. And one, one other comment I made about Dr. Death, he's one of those guys who, who permanently looked middle-aged. Yes. Um, I mean... If you told me he was 50 here, I would have believed you, but it turned out he was 24 years old. Yeah. So. And he looks exactly... So I watched quite, I think, maybe at least three or four of his matches in all Japan that must have been nearly 10 years after this. He looks exactly the same. Um, yeah. I'm sure quite a, bit, quite a bit more broken down after that, at that point and even more so after those matches. But yeah, I thought it was odd. I completely agree about the commentary. Um, and I thought it was more reflected in the crowd because the crowd was quiet. And I don't know whether that took place at the same taping it probably did actually so that they were just seeing that stuff with taylor yeah um but yeah this was this was a bit bit odd um in the end williams gets him up for the stampede power slam and wins in 245 and then terry taylor makes his way to ringside um at the conclusion of this match and ross says i thought ross said really i don't know if either of you caught this but i thought he said really sarcastically that taylor was requested to say a few words and a bit like the cornet stuff but is it Taylor's a baby face? But I don't know if it was that, that was by accident, but I don't know if either you pick, picked up on that at all. No, I, 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 it wasn't in Jim Ross's delivery. It was still just trying to work out, like I said, it, what was going it, it on, looked yeah. like Doc was a baby face, but it sounded like he was a heel. So hit Taylor, Taylor ingratiates himself even more here is like a weakling and says he doesn't want any trouble. Um, he doesn't, but he doesn't want anything that isn't his, but he wants his medal back. And Williams, I mean, I think I'd probably be cheering Williams here, to be honest, if this was, this was the, the choice. Williams says, hey, punk, I've told you once that he's got to go through him if he wants his medal back. And they go back and forth here before Williams pushes Taylor to the ground. 
And Ross says, wait just a minute. And Taylor says, if that's the way he wants it, that's the way he's going to get it. Uh, and Watts says that Williams is his protege and he watched him at the University of Oklahoma, but in this sense, he's wrong. Um, Stu, what did you think of the whole thing here and how Taylor was portrayed um, well, in this, this segment? I just thought he was a bit well, like like you said in that previous match. I was I was a bit confused by you know no no, no sorry sorry. <laughs> We've got um, a, another sorry. special guest on the podcast there. Yeah, sorry sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I was a bit confused about like you say like what were they portraying him as? Because I mean, although the crowd were chanting for him, it sounded chanting Williams. It sounded pretty pretty weak chanting. You know, mm. it almost like they were like didn't know what to make of it. Do you know what to mean? Yeah, that's exactly what I think it was. Yeah, booing him. Yeah, you know, the, I think the crowd were a little bit confused which probably didn't help the, the match itself it was it was pretty quiet really wasn't it for that, mm. that match in that respect but but the, the after segment you know it would have been yeah it was just a bit yeah, it was a bit strange really it was just I, I think Taylor came off looking quite weak really in, yeah. in, 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 I mean he got a little bit fired up didn't he towards the end when when he walked off and, and, he, and he got a little bit fired up didn't he but um you know, I think I think maybe a little bit of a physical altercation might have helped that. Yeah, I think you've just got to go and take it back, haven't you? What, what did you think of this, Mark? Yeah, it'd come on the heels as well. Of, I think it was the previous week where um, the same the same thing happened. Terry Taylor come out asking to give it back, and Doc said he'd left it in his bag in the changing room, yeah. and Terry went, "Oh, okay," <laughs> and that was the end of that. So yeah, it didn't it didn't do Terry Taylor any favors, certainly not. No. Next up, we have Dale VC and Bob Brown versus the Fantastic, who come out to a big reaction to Sharp Dressed Man, um, which I think is an absolute tune. Um, what did you guys, uh, she first, what do you think of this entrance music from ZZ Top? Oh, I'll be a bit of ZZ Top. So, yeah, that got my, got my vote. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. enjoyed that. Mark, what did you think? Yeah. I thought this, this, this fit, the, fit the guys perfectly. Yeah, again, I wasn't familiar with the song beforehand. I heard the tune, and once I heard the lyrics, um, the voices... I thought that does sound like ZZ Top. So I Googled it and uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a real bonus for these guys being able to use, I mean, a massive one actually, being able to use pop, like real, like pop songs at the time. Obviously this is, the and again, actually in the modern era, that's very true in ECW, wasn't it? In terms of the, you know, the Enter Sandman stuff and Sandman, the various other yeah. theme tunes. It was, a, it was a real big thing. I think the, these guys um, definitely benefited from that rather than some generic like really odd, especially the WCW entrance fees are all really like just you could you could merge one with with another and they'd all be basically the same. Um, this starts with an excellent exchange with VZ and Rogers with the action at 100 miles an hour as they go back and forth on the ropes with missing leapfrogs and clotheslines until Rogers takes control. They seem to lose their way after just two minutes, uh, after about two minutes, and shortly thereafter, Rogers hits a big power sound for the win in 229. And um, I didn't think there was a great deal to this aside from the good start, with a formula of a good guy versus enhancement talent match followed with a good guy shown in a little bit of peril. And um, Mark Force, first, did you, did you notice the, the weird bit after about two minutes and they didn't seem to know who was doing what next? And what did you think of this I, match overall? I did, yeah. The, the, it was, I'd put down a fun, fast start because, uh, like you said, there, there were going right from the get-go and um and yeah it did uh there was a bit of lack of communication somewhere and i don't know who got lost but someone was lost and uh the, the struggle to get it back again yeah they they botched their finish last week as well actually where they their, their finish was like a, a press slam one of them held the other one in a press slam and they dropped it they, they dropped the other one on the guy and they, and the bloke yeah. just need him right in the balls and it's like it was just awful it looked terrible because the rest of his body was nowhere near the guy so it's just yeah not great Shu what did you think of this uh, this this fantastics performance yeah I, uh, yeah I, like nothing really much more to add on that really I thought 
a good start, but like I say, it really, really lost its way. It just felt like it was, yeah, it was just like someone pulled the plug on it. If you know what I mean, like get this, get this over with. Um, so yeah, I've got not really anything else much more to add on there. Sorry. Next up, the grudge match between Sonny King and Buddy Landell, and these two have been feuding, and they didn't really allude to that too much before the start. Um, Watts talks about what a laid-back guy um, Sonny King is, but also how vicious he is in the ring and how he doesn't back down from any challenges. Watts also says that Landell rides the coattails of tougher athletes, but he's still dangerous. Um, Sonny King goes from inside cradle, but as Landell was kicking out, Reed hits the ring with a chair. The ref calls for a DQ in 3.32 and Reed and King stand off. Landell then grabbed King and Reed smashed him over the head with his chair that wasn't a traditional wrestling chair. And it actually looked more like it was something that could be found around an 80s dining room table. Um, the first shot busted the chair and then the second one looked absolutely brutal as King actually grabbed it um, to sort of stop it, but it already been hit. Um, he he no-sold both shots and then the heels retreated. Um, Shu, first, what did you think of this this match and this br- <laughs> these brutal chair? <laughs> I- I thought it was like a picnic chair. I was like, where, 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 yeah, it was bizarre, he, wasn't it? Yeah. Where, 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 where's he pulled back from? Do you know what I mean? Because like, when, he, when he put it down, it like splintered, didn't it? Yeah. And, uh, uh, I'm like, that had to, that had to hurt a little bit. Of course, bit. yeah, so I bet it probably no, cut him, actually. Yeah. yeah, there's no no selling that. And then, then the second one. So, uh, but again, it's like, uh, you know, I've never I've never heard of Sonny King before. So that was a bit of a new, obviously, the natural butchery. was really with him from his time in WWE. But I mean, the, the match, in the match was fine, but it was, it was like just those, those chair shots were just, and the way he just no sold him was, I just thought was, 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 was brilliant. But, but yeah, they, they had to have so Oh, definitely, up, yeah. Um, and I just think, where the hell has he pulled that chair from? I mean, I don't know if it was a typical, uh, and again, forgive my naivety, naivety here, but it, it, is it filmed in like a, like a gymnasium type gymnasium type Philippian type place? Um, it's like a yeah. I guess it's probably I, I, someone. Someone on my past guest can probably answer this better than I. But I get the the underst- I have the understanding. It's like a small leisure centre type, yeah, like club yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And 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 so they're the sort of chairs that they have that they put out for you know for shows. Mm. And so that's why I just thought those wooden wooden chair and uh, <laughs> and, and yeah. But he he, he yeah he no sold that did he? No no problem at all. So yeah, the match itself was fine. It was is what it is. But I think the, I, I enjoyed the art. Mark, what did you think of this uh, and these brutal, brutal chair shots? Well, I wanted to say something about the uh, the ring introductions for this match because um, WWE is often getting criticised for being overproduced and everything everything's to the hard camera and, and things. And I think this is a good example of why that's sometimes a good thing because there's two hard cameras on Mid-South TV. Yes. And... Um, the, and Sonny King was stood between Jim Ross and the hard and the first hard camera when Jim Ross introduced him, and then it switched to Buddy Landell and Sonny King moved, so he stood between Buddy Landell <laughs> and the second hard camera, and Buddy was visibly angry. Telling him oh, to get I didn't out spot the way. this. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, so he didn't like that. But then uh, my other comment about the match itself was, um, I think on last week's show, you and um, your co-host Dan had said Buddy Landell was the MVP of that show. That yeah. show. And he, he was definitely on a run of very good performances in and out of the ring um, uh, through this period. He, he's one of my favourite guys to watch at this point. Yeah, and I think actually, and I think this was reflect, reflected in uh, reflected on Buddy Landell, but this is the best Sonny King has led. And some of his offence previously has been pretty dire. And actually, I thought this was this was more than passable. So, yeah, I, I think this, this, was, this was a decent little encounter. So back after the break, in ring, we have Jim Ross and the now unmasked Mr. Wrestling 2. 
Um, I just thought this this was fantastic. So I was going to go through some of, some of the highlights. So he, he says he wants everyone and Jim Duggan to listen close. He stated his dreams and he's already ran one man out of town, the original Mr. Wrestling 2, and everybody knows he's the greatest. He wants to introduce himself to everyone. Hercules Hernandez unchained. 260 pounds of white hot steel and sex appeal, baby. He's walking down the Bad Street. He, own, he owns Bad Street. Bad he's the street. mayor of Bad yeah. Street, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Duggan, no one walks in his back door and he's looking for him, brother. And I I'm sure I haven't done that any justice at all. But I just thought, I thought every time I've seen this guy in ring, he's been great. And this was a great promo. Uh, Mark, what do you think of uh, the unveiling of Hercules here? Yeah, I'd agree with um, everything he said. He said with conviction uh, and mm. I liked a lot of um, uh, what he was saying. Uh, he also added that he'd run uh, Mr. Wrestling 1 out of town. And, and I'd watched the previous two week shows and there was no mention of that. So I'd actually missed at what point Mr. Wrestling 1 and 2 had their big breakup. Was that at the Superdome show? No. So they, they broke up on TV, actually. So so Mr. Wrestling 2 is is the other guy uh, over. So that so Mr. Wrestling 2 is the other guy, the one that's just passed away. But in this angle... Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Hercules, Mr. Wrestling 2 called himself mr. mr wrestling, wrestling. that's it yeah, yeah hercules wrist wrestling yeah too. so, they, so they, they 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 didn't they weren't together for all that long and they just they, it just was on tv actually so they they i think they were in a t not all that long ago they're in a tag team match and then they started just fighting each other i think in the end oh, I, okay. I, I, I haven't done our memories do me a disservice there but that is basically it, it was it was a quick turn and mr Re the original mr wrestling too is does come back um, but i'm not right. i don't think he's around for too long in mid-south thereafter um, I think so, I just assumed there was more to it because um, Mr. Wrestling 2's big breakup with Magnum TA was a slow-burning thing over a period of time. I just thought it might have been the same again. Did you Have you heard any of the stuff about um, about the... Because you're familiar with the angle when they got... Basically, the angle was with Mr. With, with Magnum and they got the belt to uh, from JYD to Mr. Wrestling 2 to then go on to Magnum TA. But yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't realised that... Um, that their match at the Superdome, um, basically between Mr. Wrestling 2 and the J JYD, they botched the finish of it. Um, and it was so, um, basically the, the finish was the million dollar knee lift um, and then the pin. Uh, so it was like a loaded knee, basically. But apparently in the Superdome that night, he missed it by a mile and JYD took the fall. Mm. And it apparently it killed New Orleans as a town. And no Magnum TA Mr. Wrestling 2 is, is remembered as a really um fantastic television angle which it was in terms of where it went for business because people apparently in new orleans who thought this was real thought jyd had been paid off and took a dive or something and jyd was the big local hero and this has all come out because mr wrestling 2 died a couple of weeks ago so yeah. yeah it's just interesting that actually you know obviously in this we see we see the really classy uh, really really well done television angle um and then it didn't translate to business i'm just looking at um cage match actually in terms of mr wrestling 2 he actually wasn't around in Mid-South too much longer after this, this episode. And I don't think he ever appeared on television again. So he, um, this is around the time of Black Saturday when uh, the WF bought the Georgia Championship Wrestling time slot. And he went basically after that, where, uh, after that to the WF. And he was in the WF from October 84. So that is it for Mr. Wrestling 2. We don't, we don't see him on uh, Mid-South TV again. So, uh, where are we? So, in terms of the match here, um, it wasn't quite a total squash with Mike Jackson getting in around seven offensive moves, uh, but no more. I thought Hercules did great in all of his, all of his offense as well, and he won um, with an, a power salmon elbow drop combo in 143. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this uh, short match with Hercules here? 
Yeah, um, I liked how um, he carried on the intensity from the promo by um, sort of stopping to yell Duggan's name during yes. the match as well. Sort of, watch this, Hacksaw, what's what I'm going to do to this guy sort of thing. Uh, I liked that. And um, I don't know what it is about him, but I do like Mike Jackson. He looks like a sort of school teacher who wrestles on the weekend. And, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I, I like him. He's, he's a regular. He's been a regular... Um, through 1984, what I've been watching of Mid South, so I, I always enjoy seeing seeing him on screen. And yes. I, I know he's going to get beat up, but you just don't know who he's going to be against next. Do you know he had an he had a match on Impact just before uh, lockdown? It's, I, I did can't hear he, he's yeah. still wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't. Remember, I, I, I wish that. I could remember who it was against. And I, I watched it, and it was actually pretty good. Uh, but but hey, anyone I've spoken to is from around, kind of either watching or wrestler or people that know know the territory really well. Um, so that Mike Jackson was a phenomenal, you know, really phenomenal worker. Um, Stu, what did you think of this short, um, short unveiling of Hercules here? Yeah, it was it was what it needed. I mean, uh, from his WWE, I, I never really heard him uh, cut a promo like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It was like it was, um, yeah, it was like he was allowed just to be free and 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 like say you, you, I didn't normally, obviously, cause my experience of Hercules is through is through you know um, through through WWF as it was then. And all I remember is in big chain, and and he, he just stood there flexing his guns and stuff like that while his his manager did all the all, all the talking, if you know what I mean. So you, you never really heard him cut. No, it's quite no. unusual for me to hear a promo like that from him because I just never expected it. Do you know what I mean? So, but yeah, it, it was good, and 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 the match was what it needed to be. And it, like you say, that 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 the the the, the, the guy who was wrestling was probably was a bit like the the Barry Horowitz of um, of WWF, you know? Uh, yeah, phenomenal worker, hard worker, but um, but yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think you can you can kind of see why this guy was was in the WF, can't you? I mean, I, th- I think perhaps maybe we got um, perhaps towards the latter point of his, of his of his skills, but he I just thought around this time. But then I suppose Vince probably signed everyone that was like this, didn't he? In terms of sort of territorial wrestlers that were that were good, I think he probably went out and spent the money and, and got everybody, didn't he, from all these different places. So he he actually debuted in. November '85 um, in the WF, so it wasn't wasn't around. Sort of aside from that, for, two, for only had another eighteen months or so before he was there. But I, I can't remember. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you if you if you said, sort of said to me what was his main feud in his WF era. And I guess between I'm sure between us, we've probably seen all of his pay per view matches. I couldn't couldn't I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I think his pay per view debut was against Ultimate Warrior. I seem to think I can't remember where. Was that WrestleMania four? Not in the tournament, I think. Ah, oh, yeah, may well have um, been. Yeah, yeah. And then besides that, all, all I can really remember is the Power and Glory uh, tag team days. Yeah, the, I remember the match with uh, the Rockers at SummerSlam '90 when Michaels was injured, wasn't he? And I, th- I think yeah. that um, I think that is right about. And and I also remember maybe Jake Roberts at SummerSlam '88, perhaps. Yeah, you're right, absolutely right about Ultimate Warrior. It was him at. Um, at uh, WrestleMania 4 in 4 minutes and 29 seconds. I wonder how much money he earned for that 4.29. Um, but yeah, an interesting one. And I guess, you know, with, with the other people that the WF had around that time, he probably wasn't ever going to rise above sort of lower mid-card, I guess, and then became a tag team wrestler. And that, and that was probably it. Um, so did back he, from the break. Um, he, sorry, Shu, go he, ahead. Sorry, sorry. Did he, um, and, I, and again, I might be wrong here, but did he wrestle? Did, did, he, did he jack? Jack at WrestleMania three. Three, yes, wrong? he did. Yeah. It was a double DQ, wasn't it? They, but did they both have the the um, full Nelson submission? Yeah, I was just going to use Billy Jack as an example when you said there about Vince snapping up all the top guys from the territories. 
it was around that 1985, 86, Billy Jack Haynes come in, King Kong Bundy, all, all these guys, who obviously Vince was cherry picking from various yeah. uh, territories. I mean, you can see why it worked, can't you? If you? I mean, if you're sat at home and you're, you know, predominantly in, let's say Mid-South, for example, and actually you've got a TV show that has got Ted DiBiase, The Junkyard Dog, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's obvious where you're, you know, you might stick with the home promotion for a while, but if you don't like the new stars, you're going to give up on it, you know, pretty soon, aren't you? And that Billy Jack, so I said it was a double DQ, it's actually a double count out in 744. I was, just looking, I was just looking at that now, yeah, yeah. So, Did one of them do colour in that as well, I think, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Reading that now, yeah, yeah. Bizarre. I wonder if that was hard. I wonder if that was hardware. Whether they, whether they, whether what? I can't think. There was, there was no blood in the main event. I can't imagine that being booked that way for such a oh yeah yeah match. No. Well, you think it was hardware? Or or did they take it upon themselves, like Brett and Flair at WrestleMania Eight? It could have been one of those situations. Yeah. You know, how do you stand out on the biggest show of the year? Well, let's do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was a it was a double count out. So uh, you are, yeah, Jack Haynes had the full Nelson on, and it was a double count out, and then uh, and then Heenan got involved, and it was a blind side with a chain, and um, yeah, and uh, and Haynes Haynes drew blood. Wow, tr- that's tr- another tr- thing about um, we were saying there about uh, we we'd never heard Hercules do a good promo in in as WWF fans. He came in, I remember having Bobby Heenan, and before long he'd moved on and Slick was his manager. So we oh, always had yeah. a mouthpiece doing yeah. the talking for him. Yeah, indeed. Which obviously, I mean, I, I think that was just a thing. The, the, the heels generally had managers, didn't they? I, I think yeah. back, back then. Um, I think or pretty much all of them. I can't, I can't think of it. I'm trying to think of some of Hogan's opponents, actually. But uh, well, Roddy King, Piper always did his own talking. Yeah, he did, didn't he? But then if, through the WrestleMania years, Bundy was Heenan, wasn't he? And obviously Andre was Heenan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Savage, I suppose, a bit different, but then that was Elizabeth, who's kind of gone. WrestleMania 7, Sergeant Slaughter had up General Adnan. WrestleMania 8, did Sid Justice have Harvey, Harvey Whippleman? Yeah. 9, yeah. Yokozuna, Miss Fiji. Crikey, they all did that. So pretty much every heel would have had a manager back then, wouldn't they? So that's, uh, that's yeah, interesting. So almost yeah. every manager got to main event WrestleMania going against Hogan. Yeah, absolutely. So back from break, we have Ernie Ladd who asks, where's that bum Magnum TA? He asks what he has to do to get a match with Magnum on national TV. Um, and he's heard that Magnum will probably just relinquish the title to prevent himself from being hurt by Ladd. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this, uh, this promo from um, Ernie Ladd here? Yeah, well, he, he did one thing that I always like in the heel promo where he's, he's making his point and he's getting it across well. But all he has to do is halfway through, just stop talking, turn around to the crowd, tell them to shut up. Mm. And instantly it works like a charm. The entire crowd get louder and louder. And uh, he did that. And I think it, he's done that a few weeks running. It's something I picked up on. And, and I, I always, it's something that this was 1984. If someone does it today, it's going to make get the reaction that they're looking for. Absolutely. I thought, I thought he was, I thought, I think the last couple of weeks he's been really, really good actually. Stu, what did you think of this, uh, this promo from Ernie Ladd here? Again, first time I've seen Lad, you know. So, uh, I mean, was he coming? He must have been coming to the end of his. Must have been coming to the end of his career there. Must be. Uh, I will look. Carry on, shoot. Yeah. So no, I, I, it, it was just like say it's the first time I've seen. So uh, again, the promo was, was what it achieved to be, really. I think so. Um, so yeah. But I mean, he's a tall guy, isn't he? So, like I say, it's the first time I've seen him in the ring. So he's like, is he about six foot nine, six foot ten? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's yeah, a tall, tall guy. Actually, in terms of, you're absolutely right in terms of him coming to, coming to his run. So, 84 was his last regular year as a performer. He had one match in 85 and he was part of a uh, battle royal in 
1988 for WWF at um, Nassau Coliseum. Uh, this yeah. was not televised. Um, so yeah, that that was his last match. He actually debuted in 1963, believe wow. it or not. Um, and I, I always think it's strange seeing really tall wrestlers in just normal wrestling tights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just find it very, very bizarre to look at. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it was, it was fine. It was a good promo. So uh, he's up against the Kane lookalike Steve Brinson, um, albeit thanks to some blonde highlights, he did look a little bit like a little bit less like Glenn Jacobs this week. Um, did either of you gentlemen ever go for the stage of a bit of a frosted tip or blonde highlights back in the day? I used to have a hair shoe shine. That's what they used to call it, shoe shine. So, yeah, so, what, so explain that. What's shoe what shine? Shoe shine. It's just uh, it's just uh, like, like the tin foil job on the air. Well, that's what I think it was. Tin foil job, and yeah. So I, oh, uh, with highlights, basically. Yeah. Highlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, I probably wasn't having hair falling out, to be honest with you. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So when I was in my mid to late twenties, I used to uh, yeah, I used to go and get uh, I used to go and get a bit of colour put in my hair. So. Nice, Mark. How about yourself? Did you ever did you ever dabble with a bit of colour? No, no, I've had no. the same hairdresser since I was about four years old. Then they don't know how to do fancy things like that. <laughs> so I dyed my own hair blonde once and it went completely ginger and I missed two massive bits at the back, which is quite humiliating. Then I went for a full Paul Gascoigne Euro 96 look, which was also awful. And I think I probably had my hair highlighted a couple of times, like you with the, um, the foil and the cap thing. They would pull the hair through, but... Yeah, I'm oh, glad that's... No, oh, did you not? Oh, so I had no, like a big no, cap no, and they no, pulled no, the no. hair through, yeah. Oh, you, maybe you your hair was a bit yeah. longer than mine, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, it was um, not a great look, to be honest. I'm glad this is before the, the days of Facebook and uh, digital cameras because none, none of the evidence of this exists, which is good. I have seen a photo of you with the Gascoigne haircut. Oh, I know what photo you mean. Yeah. It's, the, it's a terrible yeah. photo of me on the back of a bus... Uh, uh, school trip France 98 which were just absolutely terrible it's just before the World Cup we just uh, I think we put a Union Jack flag in the back of our coach and we got told off by the bus driver so yeah it wasn't very good terrible terrible 16 year old layabouts um, so what says that Brinson is an impressing looking kid but Lad has a way of making big men look less impressive what says Lad is a real tactician he's a great chess player and also an excellent draft player um, as well as being a pool hustler. So that's quite a resume. Uh, it was a professional football player as well. Um, Brinson gets back into it with some punches in the corner before being stopped in his tracks with a big boot. Lad hits a big double leg drop to the back of Brinson, then slams his head over and over into the mat. And I thought we were going to get a DQ here, but we didn't. Brinson then goes into the ropes, gets hit with another big boot, um, and then another big double leg drop, big double leg drop for the win for Lad in 209. Um, the highlight of me uh, in this was the pre-match promo. I thought... Lad's offense was a little bit rough here. Um, Stu, first, what did you think of this uh, this match between uh, Lad and Brinson? He looks a man coming to the end of his career. If you, if, yeah, you know what I mean. Not didn't need to put a lot of effort in. Uh, you know, not, not doing a disservice or anything like that. But I think just going through the motions, really. Um, but yeah, it was, again, first time I've seen him in the ring. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, Mark, what do you think of this one? Yeah, the um, well, Steve Brinson struck me at first. Um, He's a, he was in good shape and he was a good size. I think against most of the Mid-South roster, he'd, he'd have looked huge, but he's against the tallest guy there. And it sort of took away from the effect a little bit. And the, during the match, it was that um, double leg drop that struck me. I think Kofi Kingston, who does it regularly, yes. that's the only other person I've seen do it with both legs. And, yeah. uh, and with Ernie, Ernie Ladd being so tall and such long legs, it looked very uh, devastating when he hit it I liked it but it, he seemed to do a sl uh, more of a Hulk Hogan style single leg one uh, for the finish later on in the match 
just just looking at um Ernie Ladd, and I'm not going to give any spoilers away, uh, but he has a long run with Magnum actually over throughout July, August, moving into October and into November. So and December actually. So this is really the the end of Ernie Ladd as a regular performer. We, we are on top main event in these shows. Um, there's a, there's a Superdome show later in the year. Um, so yeah, he, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of Ernie Ladd and Magnum TAs come. So so clearly this is this is the direction. And I think obviously um, with the promo ability of Ladd, you, it, it does make sense. And actually, probably even though maybe he's a bit more limited than he was early in his career, I'm sure it's not a bad thing for a very young Magnum TA to be working with a, with an older guy in there certainly. Um, so back after the break, we have Kosha Khrushchev versus Rick McCord, who has an excellent Ric Flair style haircut. Um, and this is one for television time remaining, which I always enjoy them announcing. What says that next week we have Crusher versus Sonny King? And also, if they have time remaining, which I suspect they will, this week we have a new special prepared by Joel Watts about the North American champion Magnum TA set to the song Born to be Wild. Mm-hmm. Watts is basically in full anti-Russia propaganda mode here on commentary, talking about the <laughs> fact that once they've gone into a country, they never pull out and they grind them down. And I just wondered, do you think that Watts lost a shitload of money on a business deal in Russia around this time? Because he is just, he hates it, doesn't he? I mean, crikey. Yeah, he, he was yeah. not, he, he was making, driving his point home. Yeah. That the, the Russians are a problem. Yeah, there was no, um, yeah, there was no, no misinterpreting what he was getting at, was there really? No. Can, no. I, can I just ask a question about Christian Cruz again? Did, did, did he become Smash? Yes. Yeah. There you go. So I just, yeah, I just, I can't remember if I recognise because he had like, did he have a tattoo on his arm or something like that? I was thinking, yep. I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just wanted to check that because I haven't got that wrong. So, um, so yeah, so he actually became one of the most powerful, one of the most successful. Things in WWF then, so. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and I, mean, I, I, I don't know what the I don't know what the background was to them their turn. I guess this was probably just before I started watching, but when Demolition turned in ninety. But that, I remember uh, some of their babyface reactions were huge. I mean, I remember that maybe was it the Survivor Series eighty nine when they were teaming with Hogan. I mean, crikey, they blew the blew the roof off, and I don't know whether it was um, Axe's failing health or what the decision was, and at WrestleMania six as well. And, but then they yeah. went they went heel after that, and that was pretty much the end after they lost the Heart Foundation. But was it the, oh, um, big stars. Was it the eighty nine? Was it the eighty nine Royal Rumble that they both come out one and two? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. that, if yeah. I remember right, that got a massive pop as well. So I suppose that yeah. was the first time. Obviously, I know you had the Rumble in eighty eight, but I suppose that's the first the first time in, where where a tag team was sort of like come out one and two in the Rumble, and it? it was quite yes. a big quite a big moment wasn't it pair of pair them off against each when, other in, in, in that respect so when did they turn when did they turn were they still heels then or did they turn after that do you know I, I can't remember when they turned face uh, I think they turned heel at Survivor Series 88 when Mr. Fuji oh was it the other way around Mr. Fuji either turned on ah. Demolition to go with Powers of Pain or the other yes. way around I don't that's really it it was a double you're, yeah you're double, absolutely it right double, it was a double switch wasn't it yeah it was a double yeah. turn at Survivor Series 88 which which was exactly what it was so, so Fuji yeah. went with the Powers of Pain and then Demolition went, went phase that makes you want to quite, quite want to watch that actually now that we just talked about it so maybe yeah. that's a job for tomorrow um, that 10, te- 10 team Survivor Series match at 1988 is is a fantastic match. You should rewatch really it. And I presume now uh, the network versions, the whole event. Because I'm pretty sure the tapes I had of Survivor Series were all ed- the 88 one, 
and maybe the 89 it was down one to were two edited. Hours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I, I don't actually think I've probably seen all of those. So that is a, a project to take on, I think, now. I think it's matching for. What's that, sorry, um, Mark? I think it's a 40, 45 minute match in full. That oh, really? Okay. So obviously yeah, it must okay. have cut that down quite considerably because they, they even cut stuff with like the Ultimate Warriors people down in those, in those Survivor Series shows, which is a little bit bizarre. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, McCord and Khrushchev are wearing almost matching colored chunks here, which is a little bit grating. Uh, McCord actually gets a surprising amount of offense in during this, but is finally beaten by Khrushchev's backbreaker, switching in 328. Uh, Mark, any thoughts on, on this one? Um, you said they were both wearing red. The including these two, nine wrestlers on this show were re wearing red trunks or red tights. Oh, that's a great, um, great you, fact you there. That, that's very right. lad and various yeah. others throughout yeah. the show. The Fantastics were both in red, and so on and so on. Uh, and the only other note, <laughs> the only other note uh, I made of the match was how very animated the referee was. He clearly made the most of his TV time during yeah. the match. So that, that, thank you for that. You're now known as the Mid-South Stato there. So you just need to do the show next time in a, in a, a dressing gown. A, a joke that no one listening to this in America will understand. So, and I'm not going to explain it. Look up Google Stato in fantasy football and, you, and you'll understand. Um, so at the desk, what says that everyone has enjoyed the progress and changing... Oh, this is the highlight. I'm so looking forward to going through this. So at the, he said, what says that everyone has enjoyed the progress and changing making TA? He came there as a protege of Dusty Rhodes, but he lacked one thing intensity he took on a coach and mr wrestling 2 helped him develop that but they had a falling out but it wasn't magnum's fault and right now we're going to enjoy magnum ta's the steppenwolf tune born to be wild so a bit of quick trivia which i suspect you're both going to get definitely one of you's going to get what who used the song born to be wild in ecw's entrance music Cactus, Duke, yeah. Mark, absolutely yeah that is completely correct as i expect the wrestlemania trivia <laughs> champion has got that uh so i'm just going to go through this line sort of motion by motion picture by picture and then we'll, we'll talk about what your what your thoughts were so the first shot is a black and red motorbike then we cut back and magnum is lying topless on top of the bike then it looks like he's going to ride off um but then it's back to him lying topless and we get a cheeky thumbs up then it shows a poster of a lady lying on a different bike then footage of magnum riding no helmet which is dangerous then holding a woman close at a disco then with stars and stripes flag in the ring then smashing out some shoulder press, then smashing opponents with drop kicks, back to Magnum chatting with some ladies, more riding, then bizarrely someone licks their lips close up. There was a lady uh, back to the post with the girl on the bike. Now he's signing some autographs. Then he's back dropped Buddy Landell and he's hit some other moves. I think Ted DiBiosti's in there somewhere, taking an incredible looking uh, bump. Then it shows him holding up the title belt. He hits an incredible looking suplex of someone in there, like one I've never even seen before. It's like a, a spinning belly to belly overhead incredible thing. Then we get the lick licking, lick, the lip licking again. Then Magnum's kissing a lady. There's a shot of him flexing his pecs. He's slamming a bloke on the outside. He's suplexing Mr. Wrestling 2. There's more bike. And then out of nowhere, it just ends and cuts back to Bill Watts. So Mark, what did you think of this just incredible, incredible video package? Uh, yeah, I made some notes. Um, <laughs> I, I watched when, when I'm doing these reviews with you, I watch it the first time, uh, just sit there and watch the show and enjoy it on YouTube. And then I rewatch it usually on the network, which I did this time so I can make notes the second time. Uh, okay. Yeah. And the, the obviously don't have born to be wild on the network, but, um, they they've replaced it with a song that's actually pretty good. Um, oh, really? Again, okay. I, I, w I went and get, 
Google the lyrics to the song, see if I can pick it up. I don't think it is an actual song. It must be a WWE creation. And it's sort of like Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf, but not Born to be Wild. Oh, I wonder if it's a, a theme they never used for someone, maybe, and they just got it. Maybe, yeah. 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 So that, that was good. And then, um, I mean, more than the, the weird stuff with the, the close ups of the woman licking the lips and. Um, and the, the close-up of Magnum popping his pecs was definitely out of left field. I didn't see that coming. Um, but more than that, it was more the footage of... There was a lot of Ted DiBiase in there taking Magnum's back drops, hip tosses, and on the end of drop kicks. And it reminded me why, when I was a kid, Ted DiBiase was my favourite heel. Because mm. him bumping around for all the big-name big baby faces, uh, I was always a big, big fan of that. So I, enjo- I enjoyed the, the, that footage more than the riding around on the motorbikes. Etc. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that, that, I, I, Ted DiBiase took. I, there was a probably, I, I think we spoke to him a few times, but he just seemed to take some incredible looking bumps in in, in this. And, and Magnum and Ted DiBiase did have did have a series of matches in in, in Mid South. Um, but actually, unfortunately, the era that I'm watching or we're watching now, um, Ted DiBiase isn't really involved in, on TV too much. I think he is a bit more towards the end of the year, uh, but he's off doing other other things and working for other promotions at this time. I'm sure. What did you think of this uh, this video package? I absolutely love it. I just thought they don't make they, they just don't make them like that. Anymore. No. I mean, yeah. Was, I mean, with with regards to Magnum TA, you know, I you know, if you if you think if you think on it, it was probably only eighteen months, two years later that he he had that accident, and, and that was it. Really, that was his wrestling career over, stuff like that. So, um, I still I still think he could have been gone on to be one of the biggest stars in in wrestling. He's it's just his, his, his look. Whenever I see him, I just think Tom Selleck. I don't know why. Yeah, I just yeah. think, you, you, yeah. And that, that probably, that, that, that connection probably been made loads and loads of times, so it's, it's nothing new to anybody. But um, I, I just think he, he could have gone on to be so big, one of the biggest stars in wrestling, because he, he just had it all, didn't he? He had the yeah. physique, he had the build, he had the character, he had the personality and stuff like that. Um, and you know it's, it's it's just such a shame that 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 we didn't get to see him for, for longer. But that that package was just fab. I just loved it. Absolutely loved it so much. I watched it twice. Oh, great. I, I did rewind a bit of it as well. I agree with you before you said it. Magnum was really young in this. Um, and I yeah. think if you, I mean, I think that he. He okay. So if he stayed in NWA, you, you, you're going to make. He would have been. He must have been world champion. I think. I think he would have got a run with that belt because the NWA World Title. They did tend to move it around a little bit more than the WF. So it wasn't such an exclusive club in the late '80s where really nobody got the. In the modern era, WF, you're talking about um, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage in that sort of six-year period between '84 when Hogan first had it and, and when he lost it to the Warrior. But in the NWA, there's probably a handful of people that had it in that time the other thing is you know is he a, is he ahead of sting is he ahead of the ultimate warrior who's younger than the ultimate warrior does he come to does he go to wf does he make a name in the nwa and vince is like hogan wants to do movies i'm going to look elsewhere perhaps who knows i mean that's the thing i know that they tried to get flair in a few times but obviously flair was never going to fill that role on the babyface side of the wf as the big muscle bound guy so yeah it's always sadly going to be um going what? to be the unknown yeah what if um, so after the end of the package on Magnum, we cut jarringly to ringside with Watson Khrushchev. Watson says it next week, it's Khrushchev versus Sonny King, and he says he's going to have a tough time next week. Um, Khrushchev says that Williams is a thief, and everyone knows he's a true, he is the true TV champion. I thought it was interesting that 
Uh, Khrushchev went after another heel here. Oh, well, I suppose, if Williams is a full heel, I, I don't know whether they still think this is, this is a slow yeah. burn, but for me, he's turned. Um, Watt says that one time Doc gave him the chance in the ring, but he couldn't do it. Khrushchev switches focus to King and says that he's been messing around with a lot of people. I like this bit. He says he's friends with JYD and Duggan, and they are two of his biggest enemies. So um, there's, that's an unusual end to the, to the episode with a promo like this. Um, Stu Furs, what did you think, make of this, uh, this Khrushchev interview? Well, yeah, because it was that, it was that, like you say, it was heel, heel going after heel, which again, I suppose, is a bit of a, a, a taboo. You know, you didn't really see that happen very much, did you, in that respect? But uh, um, yeah, and again, it's like this is my first exposure to seeing these wrestlers from the mid '80s, so it all feels really fresh, and yeah, and, and I really enjoyed it. And I just, yeah, I just the, the whole program was, I, yeah, I just loved it. I thought it was, it was great. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm pleased. I can I can imagine us all buying a ticket to just go and see Mid South in Oklahoma. And I guess that's it, isn't it? You're inter- if you, if they're making you interested in this stuff, it's you know that, that they've they've done it, haven't they? They've done their they've done their jobs, and they've got quite a cast of characters here. And Mark, what did you think of this uh, this Khrushchev interview? And also your short crikey, get my teeth in your closing thoughts on this uh, July 8, 1984 episode of Mid South Wrestling. Well, the first thing that struck me about the promo was how surprisingly soft-spoken Khrushchev was mm. because I'm used to seeing him sort of screaming at the top of his voice when he was smashing demolition. And um, and he was actually quite soft-spoken, like I said. And then um, when he called out Dr. Death, um, it struck me for a couple of reasons. One, because it's a heel calling out what I thought was a heel, or he's certainly an in-betweener at that point. But also for it to be a sort of, um, three people feuding at the same time. That must certainly have been unusual for that time. It's unusual now yeah. to say, you know, there is the champion, there's the guy that's got the medal who's not the champion, and then this third guy wants to get involved as well because obviously he was the previous champion. Yeah. I, and I, then, I, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go on. I was just going to add my final thoughts, but if you want to. No, you go ahead, Mark. You go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I wrote down at the end of my notes here about what an excellent foundation of a tag team division they had at, at this point because Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express have been there a while having good matches regularly and now they've brought in the Fantastics and the Pretty Young Things yeah. to get started as well. Uh, you've got people like Butch Reed and Buddy Landell established on the outside as well. Everything's there in place to have some excellent matches for the rest of that year at the very least. Yeah, and something I didn't know, um, and I'm probably going to get some of the timelines wrong on this, so apologies, uh, but Mid-South had a, had, a, had a television show on TBS around, soon after this time for about a year or so before Jim Crockett bought the time slot back, bought the 6.05 time slot that the WF occupied. Mid-South had a time slot on TBS at a different time. I don't know if it's a different day, but they certainly had that period for about, I think it was about a year, and they were doing much better TV ratings than the WWF. But then when Jim Crockett came back in, they the part of the deal was that they were going to be the sole wrestling company on TBS. So actually, things could have been very different if that deal had gone slightly differently. A bit like we've all seen the AWA documentaries and the world-class documentary, what if this had happened? And obviously, yeah. they, did, they did make the attempt to go national. But we've probably got about another, probably six months, I would say, of a lot of these guys being still here before they 
go elsewhere and then you get kind of a new a new roster as we move towards the Universal Wrestling Federation. But again, I thought it was a really, really great uh, TV episode. So, gents, uh, Mark, go first. Where can we find you on, uh, where can we find you? Where can our listeners find you on Twitter should they want to follow you and hear about you? You're usually pretty positive uh, uh, on Twitter, unlike me. So perhaps <laughs> you want some positivity, find, uh, find Mr. Mr. Dunderdale. Yeah, I'll put that in my bio that there's so many people talking about what they don't like about the wrestling that they watch every week. I just try to, if I don't like stuff, I don't tweet about it. If I if I enjoy it, then I'll, I'll comment on it. So on Twitter and on Instagram, it's at Dopper6, which is D-O-P-P-E-R and the number six. That's where you, you find me. Excellent. Thank you. And Stuart? Yeah, you'll, you'll find me on Twitter as my, my Twitter handle's at Wakefield Canary. That's W-A-K-E-F-I-E-L-D-C-A-N-A-R-Y. And I, I, encourage, I encourage anyone listening to send, uh, and I say this without a hint of joking in my heart and voice, commiseratory messages to Stuart as his football team is about to be relegated. The impending and, relegation. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. Having, I th- how many relegations have you had in your lifetime, Stu? Oh, God. Um, let's think now. Let's think. So I started following them in 85. So they got they got relegated in 85. Oh, having won, milk, first having year. won the milk, having won the milk cup. Um, then they they went back up. Uh, so they went. I'm just sorry. I'm just trying to do my math here. So I were two, three, four. Five relegations, I think. Oh wow! If we, go, if we go down this time, Norwich will be the they'll hold the record for the most with the team that's been relegated from the Premier League the most. So, oh wow! But if you think about it, in the last ten years, so if you think when we got relegated to League One, it's been relegation, promotion, yeah, three years in the Premier League, relegation, promotion, relegation, two years in the Championship. Promotion to the playoff final, relegation, playoff. You know, so we, we, it's not boring. It's not boring. Annoying, it's, it's not boring. We also yeah. hold the record as well. If we get to the FA Cup semi final on Saturday, we'll also hold the record for the team that's been in the most semi finals without actually getting to a final. Oh, no. Norwich have never been in an <laughs> FA Cup final. So, um, well, I'm not sure you want to get one behind closed doors, anyway, do you? Uh, and that, that, would be, that would be typical. We would yeah. Do, but, but I think, I think but when it comes to the following football, that's. You know what I mean? When when you support a team like Norwich or like Fulham or, 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 or Sunthorpe, you know, when when you get the highs, they are the highs, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, when you get the lows, yeah, you just deal with it and stuff like that. But because you, you don't experience that success so so frequently, you know, when you do get it, you just you just appreciate it all the more. You have but to. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. going down. There's no question. Mark, what do, what do you know? What your relegation count is since you've been following Scunthorpe? It's similar record to um, Norwich in that that. Anytime they go up, they pretty much come straight back down uh, again. So we're, we're a League One fixture, uh, well, a League Two fixture for the last few years, and we'll get to League One, the occasional Championship, League One, Championship, League One, back to League Two. Yeah. And uh, I think I think this is well. Well, we certainly don't want to go any lower. Hopefully. Well, I think so. I've only had three. I feel bad actually even bringing this up now. So uh, yeah, <laughs> apologies, apologies. Twice out of the. Uh... 
Yeah, twice at the Premier League. So that, yeah, they were they were the hardest ones. Yeah. But yeah, gentlemen, thank you very much for your uh, for you. your time this evening. Um, I think we I haven't mentioned this. So I'm putting you both on the spot now. But we I would like to do a SummerSlam trivia quiz later this uh, later this summer. So we'll definitely get something together for that. And hopefully we can have you both on before then anyway. But yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate I, I'm it. I'm going into a tense study period because oh I know uh, yeah yeah you know I, to, I can't even. It's crowd's got to fall, isn't it? It's crowd's got to fall. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I am willing to participate. Good stuff. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe and perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, which would absolutely make my day. If you're interested in guest hosting, please contact me via the Mid-South Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments. And I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.